Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets trading higher this morning following an overnight rally on Wall Street. Sydney is leading the way. The ASX 200 is up nearly 2%. Seoul isn't far behind and Tokyo is up 1% in early trade. Joining me now as we break down all the market action, he's the author of the finance blog Dividend Titan, Willie Kang. Let's start this morning, Willie, with Singapore's Good morning, Michelle. Good morning homegrown, airgrown, air cargo handler and in-flight catering company, Singapore Airport Terminal Services better known as SATS. Now, it struck a billion US dollar deal to become the world's largest air cargo handler. It'll purchase a Paris-based company called Worldwide Flight Services, which operates in more than 20 countries. Now, Willie, Mm. this acquisition comes against the backdrop of a resurgent travel industry. Tell us more. Yeah, so you can see here that SATS, I think what they're doing is they are really riding on this um, potential tailwind as the you know, as the world recovers from the pandemic, you can see air travel are slowly resuming. People are all coming back. They are all trying to travel, not just um, tourists, but you also see companies and corporates. So I think what SETS is doing is that they are tapping on this, jumping on that bandwagon to ride on this tailwind. And what's interesting is that, you know, SETS hasn't really made huge or big acquisitions over the past few years. Um, SETS, you know, it's one of the Tomasic-owned companies where they are really cash generative. So what they typically do is two things is they provide gateway solutions. So when you travel, when you see your luggage being handled, you know, from the airport into the airplane and then down again, um, that's actually handled by sets and they are really a dominant player. The, the, the other segment of the business is in the food business. So what was keeping alive for sets was um, the food business, where if back then, back in the last two to three years, you can see that sets couldn't operate any of the gateway solutions, right? There, there were no luggages traveling to and fro the airport and onto the airplane. So mm-hmm. what they did was they actually do a lot of catering. And well, now when you are looking at the company trying to tap on air travel re- resumption, they are going to activate both engine of growth because both their key revenue segments is coming from the Gateway Solutions and food. And Gateway Solutions is a slightly smaller revenue segment. And I think that's what they're trying to beef up. And you can see in the latest news here for SETS is that they are purchasing worldwide flight services. And this will actually push SETS into in the air cargo market as a global player. So they are looking to actually buy the whole company for 1.3 billion euros. So this acquisition will allow them to cover, you know, trade routes um, across all over the world and potentially dominating 50% of the global air cargo volume. So that includes um, places like Asia Pacific, Europe and the Americas. What is interesting on this transaction is that according to SETS management that this acquisition will be accretive to the earnings per share. That means that they are looking to actually raise rights issue, raise equity capital. And typically for raising um, equity capital, this could be dilutive to investors or shareholders. But in this case, it will be accretive, meaning that once they absorb worldwide flight services, you can see a potential increase in SATS earnings per share. So for me, this is an up. All right, SATS at 337, down 12.92% in early morning trade. Now, SATS CEO Kerry Mock says that the deal is a transformational moment 
for SATs. Now, while SATs and worldwide flight services operate in the same industry, their geographic focus areas are quite different. So do you think that there are clear initial synergies between the two companies? Yep. So you can see that both companies, on one hand, worldwide flight services, they handle cargo volumes. This is the same, close to the same business which SATS is doing, which is your logistics in terms of your luggage handling, for example. So there is actually complementary to both businesses. News that SATS was in talk to purchase worldwide flight services became public about a week ago. And since then, SATS shares have fallen from $4.09 to $3.87 per share, a drop of about 5%. Now, SATS is not the only Singapore-listed company that is making news this morning. For more corporate headlines, I'm going to go straight to up or down. But Willie was already declaring SATS... uh, was that an up for you? Yep, that was an up for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited about the game. <laughs> that's great, that's great. Let's start with Keppel now. Yep, so the thing about Keppel is they recently backed a repeat contract, the FPSO contract, which is about $2.8 billion from Petrobras. So the thing about this, Michelle, is that for usually for oil companies, you know, I still have that memory of the oil and gas crisis back a couple of years ago. And, you know, Every time when I see such news, what comes to my mind is that are they able for companies like Keppel subsidiary, you know, to, to actually execute and sell some of these FPSO contracts, the finished products, the oil and gas equipment to some of these oil and gas producers. So the likes of Shell, Chevron, because even though what we are seeing right now where oil prices, you know, have a momentum going up, but a lot of the producers, they are also, you know, holding back on their production because a lot of them, they are still you know, forecasting that oil prices might not actually, you know, go beyond $100 per barrel. So in this case, even though Keppel have actually backed a $2.8 billion repeat FPSO contract from Petrobras, you know, it remains to be seen in, you know, in the larger scheme of things, how the macro environment is. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, this is positive news for the subsidiary because, you know, it could add on to revenue. So this is an up for me. So I think that if you take a step back, Capital Shipyard securing this repeat contract with Brazil's national oil company worth nearly 3 billion US dollars. And when completed, these FPSOs will be amongst the largest floating production units in the world. So that's a lot of money, uh, a lot of milestones as well to reach along the way. So I think this should be an up for Keppel. Let's look at Swiber now. Hmm. So Swiber recently did a acquisition and disposal. So what they did was they have this vessel which they are actually looking to actually liquidate the vessel which could actually generate some form of cash for them. So this proposed disposal mm. will be around $13 million mm-hmm. and this could actually help to recapitalize their business. I mean, Soiber yeah. is one of the smaller oil and gas equipment manufacturers and today, if, even though it has become a smaller company, I think it still holds a couple of debt and itself, this money would be able to actually help them to tight through their cash flow. This is an up for me. So a unit of Swiber is selling a pipe-laying barge to a Saudi company for 30 million US dollars. It's not in the same ballpark as Keppel's announcement, but it's still good business. So I'm going to give Swiber an up as well. Mm. Let's shift now to international corporate news. And we start with Apple. So Apple is reportedly backing off plans to increase production of its new iPhones this year and that is contributing to my down for Apple because I think an anticipated surge in demand has failed to materialize. What are you seeing for Apple? 
Yep. So this is actually quite interesting. Um, it, it was quite surprising because for Apple, the momentum seems pretty strong. I mean, you can see how the iPhone 14, um, based on their last event, um, their, their pre-event, that it, it seems to be doing very well. And to actually cut, cut back on production in this case was kind of a surprise to me. I mean, if you look, Apple right now, it is the largest electronic maker by revenue today. Um, it has been growing its revenue. It has very, very thick uh, profit margins. And at the same time, you know, it has built this ecosystem like what we have discussed yesterday where a lot of people, they are, you know, they are, they are, they are just tapping on this ecosystem which keeps consumers coming back for more and more. And the thing is right now, they are, they are cutting production. doesn't seem like it seems that to have this conflicting strategy for them. So, this is a down for me. Yeah, analysts seeing weak demand from Europe and China contributing to what could hurt overall iPhone sales for next year. Let's look at Merck, really. Yep. So Merck recently struck a deal with Sinopharm to bring the COVID pill to China. And they are looking to actually import and market its antiviral monopiravir. I hope I pronounced it correctly. I think you did great. <laughs> in a bit that the country is going to consider more COVID-19 medicines. So in China right now, the thing is that they are relying on most of their own created uh, host of homegrown vaccines to immunize its 1.4 billion people. So there's really a huge market here. And so far, the country only has approved two oral COVID antivirals. One of them is Pfizer's Paxlovid, which was approved earlier this year. And it remains that the only foreign developed COVID medicine in use in the country. So in this case, you know, with this deal, which Merck has struck with the Chinese state-owned drug maker Sinopharm mm-hmm. uh, to actually import some of this antiviral monopiravir, seems like it's a positive sign. So this is an up for me. And up for me as well. So Merck striking that deal with Sinopharm to sell its COVID-19 oral medication in China. I think it's an up for both Merck and China opening up to uh, solutions to COVID outside its borders. All right, let's look at Biogen. Mm. So you can see that the Biogen recently made headlines that there was an experimental Alzheimer's drug. And you can see that it's used, it yields positive results. Uh, in, in this case, there was an experimental Alzheimer's drug made by ISAI and Biogen, which slowed cognitive and functional decline in a large trial of patients in the early stages of the disease. So, so far, Many drug makers so far have tried and failed to find this effective treatment for brain-wasting disease. And this actually affects about 55 million people all around the world. The results, which has a breakthrough, seems to be a major boost for some of these big drug makers, companies like Biogen. So this is an up for me. Up for me as well. Shares of Biogen soared nearly 40% overnight on news of successful tests of that new drug that is hoped and has been proven to slow down late-stage Alzheimer's. Biogen is going to co-promote the drug with Japan's ASI. So a big up for both companies in my book. All right, we're going to zoom out now, take a look at broader markets, starting with the UK, where the Bank of England is taking emergency action to stabilize British financial markets and head off a broader economic crisis. In an extraordinary intervention, the BOE has announced that it will purchase British government bonds on a large scale as much as required to bring down interest rates and help support the British pound. And this move comes five days after UK Prime Minister Liz Truss's plans to cut taxes spooked the markets. Now, Willie, will these bond purchases... um, 
If we take a step back, the bond purchases by BOE will lower interest rates. And isn't that the exact opposite of what the central bank was doing before Liz Truss became prime minister? Yeah, I think this uh, really funny occurrence when I was reading the news. I'm, I mean, for an economy, there are actually two levers to actually push the economy or slow the economy. One is your monetary policy. The, the other is fiscal policy. So in order for the growth to be effective, like whether the, the government wants the economy to grow or slow down, both policies usually have to come in line, you know, side by side. Can't have one going against the other. Monetary policy, in simple terms, is actually to have price stability, you know, to have full employment, to maintain inflation so that there's stable economic growth. While on the other hand, fiscal policy is to have managing tax cuts or tax increases and your spending policy. So in this case, it seems like the government is sort of, you know, going in conflict with both policies. And I do agree with what, Ray Dalio said yesterday, Ray Dalio was, is the founder of Bridgewater, one of the largest hedge funds. I do agree with him that it isn't possible to generate wealth by running huge deficits because the country needs lenders willing to own that debt. And it doesn't stimulate the economy this way. You know, Productivity is what stimulates the economy. So the funny thing is that while the BOE is intervening to buy bonds, the guilds, but at the same time, when you have all these tax cuts, these tax cuts are just going to drive rates higher. So, you know, it remains to be seen while the market is in conflict right now because if you're going to lower tax cuts and encourage more spending, yeah, this could actually worsen the fiscal burden of the UK economy and this could very well drive up rates. But at the same time, you have the BOE intervening and buying bond purchases. I'm not too sure about that. Let's dig a little deeper into that line of thought. So the Bank of England has warned that crumbling confidence in the British economy poses a, quote, material risk to UK financial stability. So do you think BOE's action will work? And if so, at what cost? I think it's, this is going to be a really risky for BOE because as they intervene in the bond market, what's going to happen, you know, you're just going to fuel inflation like what we have seen over the last 10 years. And on top of that, while this might temporarily bring down the guilt yield, the benchmark 10-year yield, in the long run, you know, it's just going to add more liquidity in the system. And it really goes in conflict with, you know, what, I've read about on what you call this dollar milkshake theory where you're trying to absorb liquidity on one hand. But in this case, what the BOE is doing is it, it is continuing to inject liquidity into the system. The British pound currently trading around $1.08 to the US dollar, 1.08 I should say to the US dollar. It sank as far as 1.03 on Monday. Now many observers can't help but notice that the depreciation of the pound is coming soon after the death of Queen Elizabeth II. The New York Times puts it this way, pounds swoon echoes declines in British power past and present. So what do you think? Are the UK's current financial problems a sign of its diminishing power as well? Well, I mean, if you have seen how economies' hegemonies have played out over years before, the British Empire used to be, you know, one of the biggest or largest growing economies because they dominate the seas. And then after that, you have the US coming in as well. But at the same time, you know, you have the British economy is still one of the dominant economy of the world today. So it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, the passing of Queen Elizabeth means that, you know, there could be a diminishing economy. But you can see how the UK, you know, still has many strong businesses listed, not just locally, but also overseas as well. 
think it's interesting symbolism that NYT has picked up on. Next up, I'm going to turn to Amazon, which has held its annual autumn gadget event. And among the announcements, a Kindle that you can write on, a new TV and four mm. new Echo devices. So what's caught your eye, Willie? Any new gadgets you absolutely must have in your home? Oh, yes. I'm definitely going to look, look out for the Kindle. I mean, I have a Kindle, which my wife gave me as a present, but, you know, that has sort of been damaged. So I want to actually get a new one. I'm definitely waiting to get this one. And I can probably store all my stuff. I mean, for me, I love print, hard copy books. But sometimes I have a very small home and it's very difficult to store all the books in just one room. You know, I have to actually store it somewhere else. And the Kindle is definitely a good place to actually put all my readings inside. Uh, I agree. <laughs> I don't have a Kindle though. I somehow managed to hold off with the Kindle. But a Kindle that you can write on, I suppose that would be interesting as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you can also do highlights circle mm. and underline some of the notes in the books. Yeah, I'm a very interactive reader, so this might be fun. It seems that Amazon's latest devices are pushing it further into the realm of wellness and cars as well. Did mm. you see that? This is something which Amazon has been trying to do. Um, in, in fact, they're actually trying to move into the healthcare sector together with Berkshire Hathaway and JP Morgan. And this has something, this wellness thing, this Amazon wellness program, which they're actually looking to is to sort of help employees focus on their physical and mental well-being. I mean, this comes on top of mental wellness these days, especially um, people working from home. You know, you can tell how a lot of, you know, working dads and moms are struggling trying to manage their kids off Zoom while they are actually conducting the Zoom meeting. So I think this, this sort of bodes well for people, especially for employees of Amazon. Have you heard of Halo Rise? That's your bedside sleep tracker that Amazon's unveiled. It looks like an alarm clock, but really it's got some sensors that can detect your sleep patterns. It comes with six months of Halo membership. So going big on the wellness thing as well. I don't think I need a device to tell me that I haven't slept well (laughs) (laughs) enough before. Well, there's so so many things which you can actually track right now, right? (laughs) Yeah, why not track sleep? I know my dad would be very into this. Now let's check in on how stocks are doing this morning. We are 25 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index finished down 1.5% yesterday at 31.16. Of the 30 STI constituents, only two, Venture Corp and the Philippine Liquor Company, Emperado, finish in the black. So what is the price picture like this morning and how are blue chips doing? Yep, so you can see the STI Index opened up in the green. I think they are much mostly gains. You can see the banks like DBS, it's up about 1.2%. Commodities Company... Wilma is up 1.3%. When we talk about travel, SIA is up 1.17%. If you look at oil and gas like Keppel, which we have discussed earlier, it was also up as well. So it seems like it's in the green on top of the broad-based sell-off from the markets over the last week. Um, This is something interesting to see. Thanks very much. He's Willie King. I'm Michelle Martin and you're with us here on Market View. On Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.